Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Happened This Week podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Everyone is in a good mood, apart from Scott, um, so we'll kick straight off with a, a full show. We've got Cult Connections, Ian Graham. Ian, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for the shout out there. <laughs> it's all right. I, I figured I had to do it. So we've got Matt, Matt Hancock's biggest nemesis, Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, yeah. <laughs> you, you seem pleased with yourself. What's happened? I'm just looking forward to it, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's nice to be up on a morning and uh, you know cracking on and doing something productive. No, no one, no one will see this because we don't obviously put the camera on. But you've got a proper shit-eating grin when you said like you were, yeah, I'm fine. And I was just like, what's happened to Jack? I'm just, I'm in a good mood. That's nice. Uh, we've got, like I said, sad Scott. Scott is sad. Scott, how are you? Um, how bad are you doing? Uh, I'm fuming. I'm still fuming, and I will be fuming for quite a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I was going to say I know what it's like to get a bit of your local rivals, but it's been a while. So um, we've got the Viper goalkeeper overload. He's returned from the doldrums. Carl, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, mate. You're, you're just buzzing because Lee Burge has been on one, aren't you? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Let's sell a few more gloves, save a few more penalties. You'll be all right. And then okay. special guest, because we had... We had Jobby, Bobby the Jobby last week, um, slightly different, less Jobby-esque. We've got the, probably in my opinion, Sky Sports News' best-looking presenter. Um, Tom, how are you doing? Are you all right? Very well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm certainly not the, the best of all time. Um, I'll come to you first, Jack. Um, same format as always. We'll start this week with uh, your hero of the week. Who's your hero of the week? <clears throat> um, my hero of the week, it's not essentially topical, but um, I was watching... The, um, the the fight last night with a Leeds lad whose name slipped me. You got knocked out. Um, Warrington. What was his name? Warrington. Yeah. Um, and it just highlighted Rob Burrows, who's um, a rugby league player. Obviously, I'm just going to if anyone doesn't know rugby league player who's suffering <laughs> with uh, motor neurons disease. And um, he just highlighted him a little bit on on the show. It's not essentially topical, but um, and the the, the the charity that he's um, raising money for. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was excellent, you know, to highlight him. And he's, you know, someone who's turned something horrendous, such as oh, probably one of the worst diseases you can get, and turned it into a slight positive in terms of money raising and also um, the the challenges that his teammate Kevin Sinfield did, where he was running seven marathons in seven days, I think it was. So yeah, I thought he was my hero of the week to, to keep going and stay so positive as he has through something horrendous like that and also raise money for charity. I thought it was quite heroic. It's, it's not a century topical, but yeah, it was highlighted last night when the uh, Warrington had his fight, and I thought I'll pick him as my hero of the week. Yeah, always a good hero with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Carl, I'll come to you, because it's been a while since I've since I've seen your face. Who's your hero of the week? My hero of the week is Lee Burge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shock. But not just because he saved two pennies. He's been through a bad week anyway, uh, got dropped midweek, and then he's come back yesterday. Didn't have particularly a lot to do um, as a whole in over 90 minutes. But to save not just one one penalty, two penalties is massive. Um, and to do it at home as well, where we never seem to save penalties at home. <clears throat> uh, and I know he come under a bit of flack on social media and stuff like that. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't actually go on social media. Probably for him. Um, he just he just doesn't like it. He's one of those poor players that just doesn't like social media, um, and I just think it was class for him yesterday. So my hero of the week. 
He's there. He's, he broke a stadium light record. It's he's the first goalkeeper to save two penalties at the stadium light. Knowledge, yeah. Well, so so prior to that was obviously John McLaughlin, yeah. Um, yeah. and then before that was Tony Norman. <laughs> so oh, it's Tony like, Norman, good friend of mine. Tony's um, he's a top bloke, real, real nice bloke. Do you know one thing about Tony Norman? Because Tony Norman was my first ever Sunderland goalkeeper, right? Yeah, and I used yeah. to, because it's the first Sunderland goalkeeper, like, I loved him. And he, he was a genuinely good goalkeeper. But only the only thing that people ever used to say to was in my family when I used to be like, oh, I like Tony Norman, Dad. He would be like, oh, I used to be a copper, you know. <laughs> and that's all I ever used to get was that he used to be a copper. You know him, Carl. Was he a copper? He was a copper, yeah. Um, he's... He loved doing the job, but then he came out of it because one New Year's Eve he was working and actually stopped a, um, a drink driver, pulled him over. Mm-hmm. And when he went to the door, he went to get him out of the car and he took off and he dragged Tony down the street with him. So Tony had said, well, that's it. I'm not, it's not worth it. So he stopped doing it. And I also thought he was quite good at catching things. Hey! Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, Well, I did say, Scott wasn't going to come on this week because of results. And I said to Scott, please come on because my pat is horrendous and there's proof of it. Um, Scott, who's your your hero of the week? (laughs) Well, uh, forgoing yesterday's result, um, we'll we'll come to that later. Uh, My hero of the week is Graham Alexander. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen that, excuse me. Uh, Last Wednesday, we were playing Kilmarnock and they had... uh, the, the, the new manager bounce was expected the first game under Tommy Wright and it, it was an absolutely dreadful game like both teams looked as if they were just trying to get a draw and to be fair I'd have taken a point out of that game uh, down there so this is one of the games which was rescheduled because of the they had COVID and then they awarded us the points and then they took the points off us and then uh, they said that we had to go and uh, play it again so we were quite desperate to win just because of that set of circumstances. So the ball goes out for a throw-in. Quick thinking, Graham Alexander throws it to Jake Carroll. He throws it in. Tony Watt into Alan Campbell. Bang. 1-0. Now, I'm just thinking back to like other managers. A lot of managers would have taken the time there to bring the ball in, maybe give a wee bit of tactical update or some instructions, but no. In his hands, at his hands, and in the back of the net within about 15 seconds. So Graham Alexander eh, won us the points, I'll say, for that last week. Whenever you mention a player that has been on the pod, I, I need you to say Scott, friend of the pod. So it's not Tony Watt, it's friend of the pod, Tony Watt. Just so I, you I know. could just be about half of the moral squad now then, couldn't I? I could be here for a while. <laughs> Potentially. Um, not Beavis as yet, though, but I'm working on it. Um, Ian, who's your hero of the week? Well, I've picked um, a group who usually would be the they're the villains of the week. Um, I've And um, Andy Holt is not going to like this one at all, but... Um, I've gone for uh, the legal team who 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 have managed to overturn the the league one and two wage cap, um, yeah, because that was just absolute their nonsense. Um, brought in in such a ridiculously short time their scale and uh, and you know and and let's face it actually hinders um, their Sunderland so so good for them getting that one scrap. Yeah, I I quite. <sighs> Because Andy Holt's already gone mental about it, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not happy at all. Um, and I can get his, you know, reasoning and how he wants to, you know, de- um, protect 
you know, Accrington and smaller clubs like that. However, the the way it was done, it was all wrong. Um, and and let's face it, League One to be successful needs us out of it. You know, we. <laughs> For my happiness, we need to be out of it, yeah. um, pretty much. Tom, who's your hero of the week? I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, that was a good one, actually, for me, and I wish I'd thought of that one, because I, I completely agree, but I've said from the start that that was unenforceable, that salary cap. So I'm, I'm glad to have been proved right for once. My hero of the week, Scott won't like, is uh, Brian Rice, the Hamilton manager, because what you uh, <laughs> may or may not know is that my Scottish team is Hamilton. Because I've got um, family there. The fact that they're actually all Sunderland fans, but you know they they moved to Hamilton before I was born. Um, so I used to go to watch Hamilton play, and I kind of accepted that Hamilton were going down this season. And at the end of last week, they got that last minute goal to draw with Rangers, which not many clubs have taken points off them this season. Then yesterday's result against Motherwell was quite incredible. So Brian Rice is my hero of the week. I don't know whether Hamilton will stay up. Um, and I know I said to, to you, Graham, and to you, Scott, earlier, I used to watch Hamilton when they were, were ground-sharing with Motherwell. Well, this is to prove that I'm not fanatical about Hamilton like I am for Sunderland. It was Fir Hill that I used to go to, not Fir Park. All right? That's where they were ground-sharing. But uh, to, to the fact that Hamilton have now got a chance of staying up, Brian Rice is my hero. He's took a lot of stick this season. I know it's got a single tear rolling down Scott's eye at the minute here, but um, he's took loads of stick. Like, I, I've got a few Hamilton followers and I follow a few Hamilton fans. And like six weeks ago, they were all like, he's got to go, he's got to go, he's got to go. And he's kind of stayed around almost like one of those really bad farts that no one really wanted, but he's gradually perfumed himself. Um, and he's doing really well, isn't he? He's like, there's it, Hamilton having half a chance of staying up. I hope this doesn't sound. Um, condescending but like with the kind of squad they've got I mean Ross Callaghan who scored yesterday and scored against Rangers last week I think Open Goal have made the same mistake I thought he was a young boy that came through their academy but he's like 27 <laughs> like and someone like I think it was someone I'm guessing it was tongue-in-cheek but um Open Goal said oh big future for this young lad but he is actually 27 so like they're definitely like a lot of Scottish clubs, I guess, kind of working on the, the bargain basement, but there's a lot of young, unrefined players that go play at Hamilton if they get any good to go elsewhere. So it's a tough job, isn't it, Tom? Well, everyone knows about James MacArthur and James McCarthy yeah. from Hamilton, but there was also, um, when I used to watch some Peter, uh, 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 Paul Hartley, who mm-hmm. went on to play for um, Celtic and Scotland, he was playing right wing for them when, when I used to watch them. So they have got some, you know, they, they do... I, I don't know if it's more by, I don't know if they do it on purpose. I think it might be because they have to throw youngsters in. Mm-hmm. And that's the case in a, a lot of Scottish football, actually. And a lot of good can come, a lot of good comes from that. But Brian Rice has been there a long time. He knows what he's doing. I think um, I wouldn't change it just yet. I actually wouldn't change it even if Hamilton go down. Just left a Mahi over the week, isn't it? Is that right? Yes. I get lost too many people on. Um Aidan McGeady, because I'll be honest, I've not really enjoyed watching Sunderland this season, like at all. Like, um, probably through the medium of a screen and the fact that we've been rubbish nine times out of ten. Um, 
But Ada McGeady's performance yesterday was actually so good, it transcended the fact that I supported Sunderland. Um, how many people watched the game yesterday? Did all of us watch it apart from Scott? Yeah, yeah, I just watched it. Was that the best individual performance since like the Premier League days that we've had since we've been down pretty much? I would say so. But what do you think, um, Jack? <laughs> um, I thought um, it was like a throwback to McGeady when he when he was at Celtic. I thought about you know 2007, 2008, whereby he was just taking on players for fun. There was a bit in, uh, I think it was the first half around about the middle of the pitch when he kind of skinned one and then nutmegged another and then put the ball through. I think it was for Gooch. The run through and that would have been an unbelievable goal if Gooch had scored. Unfortunately, Gooch missed it. But yeah, I mean, that's McGeady, that's the ability that we know McGeady has had. And unfortunately, it was on the wane a little bit. And it just frustrates us even more when you think of what Phil Parkinson did to him. Uh, you know what I mean? He couldn't he couldn't even get him in the Sunderland squad and sent him out on loan to Charlton. You know what I mean? You've got a player that's capable of, you know, creating and 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 you know, assisting four goals looking like a, a championship or even, you know, at times a Premier League player at that level. He was just a cut above uh, Doncaster and they couldn't deal with him in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, it did remind us of McGeady when he was at Celtic sort of 12, 13, 14 years ago. Oh, he was, he was unbelievable yesterday. Carl, um, Penny for the thoughts of uh, Philip Parkinson? It's, he's going to be kicking himself, isn't he? Probably he's still in a job if he, if he if he's still and played him. Um, and arguably not even a fully fitted McGeady. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the stat yesterday was played 12, two goals and eight assists, which is speaks for itself, doesn't it? He's the second highest um, assister in League One behind George Honeyman, of all people. And he only came into the team in the back end of November. And that's the whole of League One. Like, Tom, um, I know you're a fan of McGeady because we've discussed before, but what did you make of uh, Aiden's performance yesterday? It was, it was amazing. How can one player, Charlie White, scored four goals and actually most of the praise goes to someone else. He, were, he was absolutely magic yesterday. I think in terms of an individual performance, I think Defoe sometimes, um, sometimes his individual performances were, were, were just as important, but in terms of the magic that McGeady had yesterday, and you're right about that ball through to Lyndon Gooch and, and everything he did before that, he just seemed to when he when he got the ball, he just seemed to have full confidence in his ability that whatever he was going to do was going to work, and everything he did do did work. And both feet, we know that he can use both feet. And it's a shame because at one point he did get the ball maybe just on the edge of the box, and it opened up for him to shoot mm-hmm. perfectly like McGeady would, and he put it just past the post, and he was kind of waiting for the the net to bulge. But I'm I am struggling to think of a of a better individual performance, actually. I mentioned there Defoe um, and Super Kev did it, like, like you said, a long time ago. But I can't think of one. <clears throat> I think it was that good. It was the first time I'd watched a player since probably... probably Sessegnon, where every time he got the ball, I was like, right, what's happening here? Like, I'll openly admit there's been times watching the stream where I'll kind of drift off onto my phone and that's been down to the quality of the game or the result of my anger. Yesterday, I didn't look at my phone once, aside from half-time when I posted, I must be honest, what I think was a, a rather funny uh, gif, uh, a meme or whatever they call these days, whatever the kids call it. Um, what was it? Yeah. What, what, was the, what was the gif or meme? It was that, you know, the two girls and one of them's like feeding the other girl, like milk. She's like pulling her hair. No? I'm glad, I'm glad to say I don't know. What that <laughs> it's a fantastic meme. 
some people should know. Let's see if I can find it on phone. But basically, it's I think it's some sort of porn scene. Potentially, I could be wrong. <laughs> um, pulling another girl's hair. It. Yeah. She's feeding a milk. She's feeding yeah. a milk. So I, like, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I've never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> don't know where it came from. That's the one. That I would, I would imagine that is porn, yes. <laughs> and it says, Ada McGeady, and the bottle of milk says, assists, and the woman drinking it and getting her hair pulled says, Charlie White. So there you go. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> um, swiftly moving on, Ian. Um... <laughs> Good idea, Graham. <laughs> Ian, who is your, who's your favourite Bulgarian footballer? Oh, well... Well, there's a oh, there's a huge choice here. Um, however, I've gone for the current FC Astana assistant manager. Um, this guy played forty games for Bulgaria, um, mostly played in the Bundesliga. I know you're going to say, and that's a great shout. Yeah, uh, finished fourth, um, obviously in Euro '96. Um, but I remember him actually playing for Aberdeen and he made 38 appearances and it's Sanko Spetanov. Uh, he's my favourite Bulgarian footballer. Here's a question for you though, right? Because I bet you everyone who chooses their favourite Bulgarian footballer will have of at the end of their name, right? Mm. Is that like a version of Sun? Like you're having Iceland. It's like Mook in Scottish, isn't it? Mook. Muck, yeah, yeah, like is that like a thing? Just cute. If anyone knows, let me know. I'm sure that's the case. I could just Google it, but it's better for you to engage with the podcast because then some people might listen to it. Um, Ian, who is your, your villain of the week? My villain of the week? Oh, well, I don't want to tread on any toes here because because uh, actually I, I I thought Scott wasn't there coming on. Um, so <laughs> I might have pinched his. And this is a personal one for him. Um, I've actually gone for the SFA um, who were clamping down on them. Um, um, you know, guys who are doing pin um, their badges. Um, and these are usually just, uh, you know, folk doing it just for, for a bit of fun as a, their sort of hobby. Um, they're the SFA have turned around and said that they can't use um, images of Scotland, um, you know, players or, or the strips or whatever. Um, and I know I know lots of folk have raised money for um, their charity, like like you know Scott has has they done. So um, yeah, yeah, the SFA are my villain of the week. The SFA could be a villain of the week every week, with all due <laughs> respect, because the SFA just pick and choose what they want to do. Sometimes I think um, that's me never getting a job at the SFA. Um, <laughs> Scott, who's your uh, who's your villain of the week? Well, it's interesting Ian that that, uh, that you, you picked that one because. Graham and I have been having a chat about it. And uh, so, you know, as I think the last count uh, since October, I've raised over a thousand pounds for like a number of different charities through selling the pins. Okay. And I should be okay because I don't use any copyrighted badges or anything. So on my pin badges that I use, it's it's a personally designed emblem. So they are different. So they've not come after me uh, yet. There is, there is time. But, uh, and you know, and fair play to them, you know, it's, you know, I, I teach law for a living, so I, I kind of sit here and say that, you know, breaching IP law is, is fine or whatever. However, uh, Graham and I have been talking and, you know, seeing the, the reaction, I started doing the pins, to be honest, uh, in October time, because b before that, with the lockdown and everything, I had a really bad 
get with my mental health and I needed a hobby. Um, I've collected badges for a few years and I decided this is a way that I can help people. And it, it took off. You know, I thought three people will buy them and I'll raise £1.43 for charity. But people have, have, uh, have bought them. So Graham and I have decided <clears throat> and uh, we're going to launch Roker Pins as well, which is going to be a series of badges of Sunderland legends and iconic moments. And again, uh, the, the money and some of the money that we'll be using from any profits that we make from them will be used to help charities that are in the Sunderland area, the northeast and, and up and into Scotland as well. So I'm going to take the, the, the kind of SFA clamping down and take it as a positive and try and broaden where we make money for because it's it's tough times and you know anybody that we can help is is a is a good helper, I think, personally. And also we're just yeah. completely scrambling to get ones of Charlie White out immediately, which we never thought would happen. But it's just like, <laughs> you've got to make the Charlie White ones, make the Charlie White ones. Um, yes, but... Because I'm not designing any badges in red and white. It's just not <laughs> so they'll all be away, away kits. <laughs> Put them in old school homo shirts. Everyone loves a homo shirt. Um, Jack, who's your, your, your villain of the week? Well... In answer to your question, because I know people are probably thinking, Willie, I won't he? The answer is, <laughs> I will this week. So last week, I gave him a rest because he hadn't done anything really too bad. But this week, my villain of the week is Mr. Matt Hancock. Well, hey. <laughs> so um, the reason this week is, um, basically what he told people is, there's nobody going to be able to have holidays, or certainly not. I mean, people are looking forward to the potential holidays. You know, we all like a holiday. We all work hard. We all look forward to our holidays in the summer, and uh, whether it's abroad or not abroad, we all something we look forward to work towards. Um, and this week he's given quite a confusing message. What he said was, "We're not sure yet if people are going to be able to go on holiday." But I've already booked my own break in Cornwall, so that's all sorted. But I don't know if you're going to be able to go on. Well, if that if that's not a mixed message, I don't know what is. I, I really don't know what is. And from somebody who's actually in the government, who's meant to be portraying clear messages that people understand in relation to the COVID outbreak. Uh, yeah, total mixed message. And it's a kind of, yet again, more Tory, you know, do as, do as we say, not as we do-ism. Um, so, yeah, Mr Matt Hancock, by, back by popular demand, is my villain of the week. I do sometimes worry that if anything does happen to Matt Hancock, you're going to be like the prime suspect. <laughs> it wasn't me, honestly. <laughs> no. I didn't do me. anything. Why were you under the Parliament building? I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, who's your uh, villain of the week? Easy one for me, the weather. Um, with the, the shift at work that I do every Saturday is dependent on the amount of goals in the EFL and Scottish Premiership. And there was, I think, only two games in League Two survived. There wasn't many in League One. Championship was all right, pretty much. But we missed uh, <coughs> a heck of a lot of, um, of action that we would have had on a Saturday evening in terms of showing the goals because of the uh the frozen pitch so um but personally for me the weather was the villain what what happens when that happens in sky sports studios like if loads of games get called off because league two had like i think literally two games league one had four or five so if you're commenting on that and you because i i believe it or not i actually do prepare for this um and sometimes i'll look and i'll think right i'll do this 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 and this and we'll do that make sure everyone's on time and all that kind of stuff if like something goes wrong, I panic. I just go, oh, nah, like what am I going to do? Like if the mic doesn't work, for example, Tom, which you'd know about, um, <laughs> how, do, how do you plan for that? Well, it's on a Saturday. So there's, there's so much going on 
I mean, yesterday there was uh, there was two Six Nations games. There was the first day of the second test in cricket out in India, uh, India against England. Uh, there was still plenty of goals to talk about. There was still reaction from the Premier League games. What you can do is the games that you do have, you don't just show the goals. You can show some chances. You can actually, certainly in the championship, you can uh, hear a bit more from the managers post-match. Whereas usually on a Saturday night, it's just goals, goals, goals and red cards. Um, and there's no time for anything else. And, I mean, you, and, and you've still got to fit in the cricket, the rugby union. There was live golf on while I was on air as well. There was the uh, Tottenham Man City game going on and we had a guest on set for that and then another guest for the Brighton Villa game coming on after it. So it was enough to, to fit in. But when you've got a load of goals and action taken from you, you can just add more action into games that you wouldn't normally see. So there are positives to it, but I'd prefer it be just be showing goal after goal because viewers love goals and news about transfers. That's what they love. Um, and a lot of goals were robbed from us because of the weather. With them, talking about bizarre moments then, you'll kind of be hoping for a bizarre moment. I seen that Redden goal yesterday. Did everyone see it? Did everyone see that? It's the most weirdest goal I've ever seen in my life. It's like, Tom, how, how do you even describe it? I'm trying to think. I was going to describe it and I can't think how to describe it. Well, well, for did anybody, uh, can anyone remember Arsenal Sunderland under, uh, sorry, Sunderland Arsenal at the Stadium of Light? It must have been under Steve Bruce, maybe Roy Keane when yes. Anton Ferdinand was on the edge of the box, launched the ball clear. It bounced off Cesc Fabregas's heel, went oh, over yeah. Yeah, the Craig or Martin Fulop. I'm not sure. It went I think in. it was Minule. It was Minule. Oh, was it Minule? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was. Well, that, that would have been um, that would have been Steve Brewster rather than Rocky. Yeah. Bruce. And, we still um, last minute. Mm-hmm. I think we got a last minute equaliser, didn't we? 95th yeah, minute equaliser. Yeah. yeah, Darren Bent. Yes, Darren Bent. Um, it would have been in, in the 2010-2011 season. So, so yeah. it was definitely it was definitely Bruce. It was a season where. He famously, I don't know if he's ever told you this, he finished 10th. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was, it, it was that them. goal. If you can picture that goal, it was it was quite similar to that. Um, although the goal, it didn't kind of loop over the goalkeeper's head. It kind of beat him at the near post. It, uh, Bartosz Bilikowski, I think, was the, um, was the goalkeeper. And the, the defender just launched it against the Reading attacker and it, and it bounced in. So very similar to that Cesc Fabregas goal against us. It's um, you know, ten, ten years, ten seasons ago. It's mental. Ten, all the tens everywhere, isn't it? There, jeez. Yeah. Uh, do, do, you know, do you know which yeah. goal I remember that was weird involving Redden? Um, remember when I think it was Redden played Watford, and there was a goal that was given, and it wasn't anywhere near yes. going over the goal line. Oh, do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah. That was such a weird goal. That was like near the post, but like the other side of the post, and somehow it got given as a goal. That was weird. Yeah. That. Do you well, know the, it was? We, yeah. We the, went, the, the talk was that it was like we had the ball going over the line. Well, yes, the ball had gone over the line, but it was outside of the post, not inside of the post, yeah. and, it, and it was given. It was yeah. given. Probably weird. Redden also scored a goal against us. Stephen Hunt had oh. a ball. It didn't go over the line. Craig Golden saved yeah. it and it got given as a goal. And that was in, that was that Roy yeah. Keane era? Or seven yeah. or eight, yeah. It was, uh, we, we, oh, we hadn't we just been <sighs> nearly signing him. We, we hadn't we nearly signed him like the yeah. summer before. And, yeah. Uh, because he, yeah. he was Irish and Roy Keane liked Irishman. Tom, before yeah. I leave you completely and go to calls, uh, Villain of the Week, um, Roy Keane on Instagram, 
you obviously work closer to Roy Keane than all of us do. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, I've, I've still actually never met him, believe it or not. He's, oh. I, I see him around Sky every now and again, um, but he tends to be at the ground. But I've, I've seen him a few times, but he really does keep himself to himself. But he's very, he's very pleasant. When I see him, he's very pleasant with everybody, but I've never had a chance to chat to him myself. But I never thought I'd see the dailies on Instagram. Some, and I think to myself, well, someone must have signed him up. Someone must have said, I'm going to run your social media. But he doesn't seem like the type of man to want to be on social media. And he, he got his blue tick immediately. So yeah. it's obviously been in the pipeline. I don't know what's happened, but I, I love it. It's great. Well, Michael Richards, I get the feeling that Michael Richards would be the one running it. Like that, that should happen. Like if Michael Richards isn't running it, then he should be. Like, have do you, are you, do you get uh, meet Micah at all? Is it a similar situation? I've interviewed Micah, but only, you know, through the, through the camera. It's exactly the same. They, they, they tend to be at the grounds unless they're in for, for Monday night football. Um, or uh, actually, in fairness, Saturday night football. That's Roy Keane was in last Saturday because it's Saturday night football. So, and usually you bump into them quite a lot, but at the moment, if you're on a different floor, you can only be on that floor. Ah, uh, right. No, so I haven't. I haven't got to know him, but I, certainly as a as a pundit, he's been brilliant, really, really good. But I, both of them. I think just that, and I know everyone said I'm not saying anything out of the ordinary here, but their bromance, as you would call it, is like the best thing that's happened in any of the lockdowns. Like the fact that Roy Keane obviously loves Michael Richards, a former Man City player, is just brilliant. Like if anyone could have softened Roy Keane. Michael Richards would not have been anywhere near the, the list of who I thought it would have been. But Carl, who's your uh, your villain of the week, mate? Mate, I've got several villains of the week, and it's something that's bugged me since probably the start of December. Remy he Matthews. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from Remy Matthews. Do you know what? He gets away with this one because he doesn't do what I'm about to say. And it is professional goalkeepers wearing tights in games. Ooh, I'm having it. I'm not having it. I cannot handle it. It's just, it's a massive bugbear. Alison had them on yesterday. Casper Schmeichel had them on yesterday. And it's just, nah, not for me. No way. Thing is, with tights though, right? Here's another thing. If we're going with weird things that goalkeepers wear, Gabo Pirali used to wear tracky bottoms. Where, <laughs> where, where does that rank in a goalkeeper's world? Is that a good thing? Is that just a, oh God, he's a little bit eccentric? That's, um, that's just a him type of thing, that. I quite like them though. They look like Primark numbers. <laughs> They're always grey as well. They're kind of which doesn't match with green. Grey and green's just a bit. But he was a good. Like, if you just wore black, wouldn't you? You just had black joggy bottoms on, not grey. But aye, each to the wrong You just get skinny ones. You get those cool ones that go skinny, but a little bit baggy around the back. Oh, I'm going too far into it here. You call them jobby catchers up here. Jobby catcher, we would call them shit catchers, yes, but I have oh, heard them. Hey, Bob, get Bobby back on. Where's Bobby when you need him? <laughs> I'm going to go for my villain of the week, and mine's a bit, mine's going to end up being a rant, so I'll try and not do it. It's Marcus Madison. <laughs> so for two and a bit years, people have been saying how great Marcus Madison is, like he's the next coming of Jesus Christ and he can walk on water in League One. And by the simple fact that if you sign Marcus Madison, you will 100% get promoted. No, he's not. He's been at Charlton. He's obviously not worked out with Charlton. He's gone to Bolton. Bolton, remember that's Bolton. That's mid-table League 2 Bolton. And he got sent off on his debut after 10 minutes. So technically, he's, I suppose he's my hero of the week in some senses, but I'd already had a hero of the week. So my villain of the week's 
Marcus Madison because he's kind of proven that he's not even close to being the player that would get something out of League One, let alone someone we should have spent two and a half million on um, at all. He's rank average. Sorry, Marcus. I hope you prove us wrong like anyone that I criticise on the show, but you so far proven Sunderland should have never signed you. Um, Ian, who is your... Uh, well, what is your moment of the week? Um, right, so moment of the week was... And this is a lovely story. Um, so it's um, AFC Wimbledon's uh, opening of Plough Lane. Yes. Um, so they've managed to get home. The The, the stadium looks... <laughs> you made you made it sound like they've gone off on a drunken night there. <laughs> they managed to get home. They'd been away for you know nearly twenty years. It was yeah. a big session, but then they got home. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so back to their you know spiritual home, their plow lane, um, and you know what should have been a uh, as uh, Ivor Heller would say, a uh, right old knees up. And uh, their match gets called off this weekend because of the weather. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah, so it did. Um, but someone told me the other day that because they've moved into Plough Lane, Kingstonian are now homeless. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Which is a bit like, oh, that's a bit of a, that, that, a bit shit. <laughs> but I suppose they did own it in the first place. Um, Scott, what's your moment of the week? Uh, moment of the week is... Again, I always seem to go after like groups of people on Twitter, and this kind of ties in with like, the Scottish one as well. But yeah, a few games off during the during the week because of the snow, and the, the snow in, in parts was was quite bad, uh, quite heavy. And uh, so Livy, they had a game about three weeks ago postponed, and it was apparently because there was a small patch of like it was just waterline. It was a plastic pitch, obviously at AstroTurf. Um, and then their game against uh, Aki's was called off on Wednesday night. And I just love it because <clears throat> for some reason, there's, there's this idea that AstroTurf parks are all weather. Right? And I think it's because the uh, like the local authority here, so where I play fives, they have a big sign that says all weather pitches and you get to November and you don't have a game on it until February because of the weather, frozen. Um, <clears throat> but it's on Twitter and you just go on and it's like, Aye, you're all weather pitch. Can he do this? Can he do that? Can he get a game on? It's all weather. It's not like embedded nuclear missiles underneath it. You know, it's no Faz Lane where when there's four foot of snow, you just press a button and it melts. I mean, Livy and same with, with Aki's as well, the pitch is close to the stands. So there's nowhere for that snow to go. Even if they brought in a tractor and cleared it, then it's still dangerous for the players because there's going to be four foot snowdrifts at the side of the park. And then you just get, uh, I think I've uh, described them as wee virgins before, um, like moaning about the, 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 oh, it's all weather pitch. Aye, but that doesn't mean that you can just like press a button in the snow, four foot it disappears. So that was my moment of the week. And it's kind of my, my villains of the week as well. It's like moaning about it. And it's like, it's no all weather. The, the, like, the thing is, the um the weather here for us of us, us of us, for those of us who live in Scotland, it's really bad. I was walking like I was 95 year old yesterday. Like I was 95 and I'd crap my pants, a la Bobby the Jobby Bollock. Um, and I'm walking like I did my 10,000 steps, but it took us about four hours. So like, it's not just 
snow here. It's not crunchy, nice snow. Like, oh, wonderful Scottish country. It's literally sheets of ice that haven't been because they, they don't they don't put salt down in Govan Hill. They don't care in Govan Hill. Um, have you not seen the videos on Facebook for crying out loud? Um, <laughs> Ian, you were you were waving your pen. I feel well, like just, again, yeah. either you're unwell, something's happened, or you, you want to say something. Your panic is when you do that. It makes me go like, "Summit rang." Is that like your sign? No, just going back to the snow. It's it's an interesting point because uh, you know, like when you talk to people on 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 social, their sort of media, and they find out where you live, and you know, they always think, "Oh, it's really cold," and you get loads of snow, and uh, you know, and all that stuff, and. Um, my part of Scotland, we never get snow these days. It's so rare. Um, I'm right on the east there coast. Like, like the beach is literally the 200 yards from where I live. So we're right on there, the coast. Um, but we've had loads of snow and it's such a rarity now. Uh, and everything just falls to bits. <laughs> like, uh, I like. I live next to the train station and I've noticed significantly less trains as well. Like in Scotland, if it snows, things get shut down. Well, in Glasgow, they do anyway. <laughs> Scott's just sneezed on, and he's been unmuted. I, I just wish we need to start doing this on camera for crying out loud. We'll get cats, we get sneezes with everything. Um, Jack, who, what's your moment of the week? Um, well, mine, I've got my well, I have. I had one, and then I start to think of another one. So, kind of, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do one of those greedy things where I take two. Unfortunately, um, Graham. So, my first one was um, tennis. The um, the Australian Open um, at the moment is on, and um, there was a woman who challenged Rafael Nadal. I don't know if anyone's kept kept an eye on this one, but basically, um, I think she was a drunk Australian woman who challenged Rafael Nadal. Now, if you watch Rafael Nadal play tennis. Got quite a bit of an OCD. He has to do like certain few things, like he flicks his he flicks his hair back and he'll bounce the ball a certain amount of times. It's like an OCD. Now this Australian woman just wasn't having it one bit, and she said, and I quote, pardon my language, she said, because he takes a while to do his serves because he has to do all these little routine tick things. So pardon my French, but she said, hurry up, you OCD fuck, um, before like out loud, and basically like this weird ranty Australian us. Australian woman and like Rafa Nadal was just like looking as if to say like what's going on here do you know what I mean I just thought it was mad like like just like power man like hurry up in the middle of the game just like absolutely crazy was it, uh, not, that, was it in like an Australian accent as well like hurry up yeah OCD fuck yeah yeah like like one of those proper Sheilas as the Australians call them like <laughs> Sheila keep a lid on them mate <laughs> and um, and my, one of my other one was um, Tom Brady for um, for winning he's I was at his seventh Super Bowl, I think, last week for the... I don't understand what Super Bowl is. I, I, well, I, I didn't. I was one of those English people, but, like, it's not a game, it's not a sport. But I haven't got into it this year, and I do understand a little bit more. And, and yeah, I think that to have the longevity of his career that he's had, and he was in his 40s, um, he won so much with the Patriots, and now he's gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and won it again with them. And it wasn't just a win for the Bucs, it was a, a batter and absolutely hammered the Chiefs. And um, I think anyone that wins multiple times and has the long career that they have, I think, deserve respect. So, Tom Brady as well, that's um, my moment of the week as well. So, do, sorry. Who's your favourite Bulgarian? Um, Bulgarian, I've gone for, I mean, fairly obvious, someone with Celtic leanings. I've gone for Stylian Petrov. Um, yes. Who was a very excellent player for um, Celtic at the time, probably too good a lot of the time in Scotland for the, the level he was at. He was a phenomenal goal scorer and midfielder. 
sat in the players up assistant, um, played 105 times for Bulgaria over 15 years. When Aston Villa did very well for Aston Villa, I think it happened Aston Villa, and obviously didn't he score beauty against, against us at the stadium of light from about 30 yards out? Aston Villa banked in the top corner. Um, I think I think that was that the game that Darren Bent got all the stick because he just moved to Villa. I might be wrong with that, Graham. I think it was the same game. Was it a two-two draw? I've asked him to come on the podcast, so I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah. Um, on any stick that I give him, but um, I, I believe some people might have shouted some nasty things near me. One or two, yes, might have sounded like this, but it wasn't. Yeah, one or two. So, yeah, he was, I think, he was too good in the SPL, and obviously, he had his medical issues with the leukemia, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm you know, he, he kind of, you know, I'm not sure if he fully recovered from, but he, he's certainly on the men's compared to yeah. how poorly he did get. Um, and I think he's done a lot of charity work as well, and I like people that have overcome medical adversity. So, he's a, yeah, he's a good pundit. He's a really good pundit as well. I really like when he's on. I mean, I, I've liked watching Celtic this season for obvious reasons. Um, but like, he's also a good pundit when he's on the Celtic games and stuff like that as well. Yeah. I, quite, I do like Peter Robinson, who seems to supersede any sort of rivalries and stuff. Um, Tom, what was your moment of the week? Well, when you asked me yesterday to think about it, I actually thought about all the rest and not this one. So if you notice me looking down at my phone, it wasn't being I wasn't being rude. It was trying to find something. Um, and nothing it was major. So <laughs> nothing major. It was just on. I was watching the uh, Gundogan's second goal for Man City yesterday. And the moment of the week was Edison's assist for him because it wasn't just a. It wasn't just a hopeful boot up field. He actually went for that. He sprayed it so that it was going to go over the top of Davinson Sanchez. And the way he kind of got some backspin on it, it was going to hold up for Gundogan to run onto. And finish. So, moment of the week was an excellent assist by Edison. There was nothing accidental about it. Do you reckon that he's? Because obviously, I've been thinking about this. Like back in the day, there was best goalkeeper in the world when I was young. It was Peter Schmeichel. Straightforward, simple as that. I think it's a bit more debatable now because it was Buffon for a long time, but obviously he's he's getting on. Um, and a lot of people have said Allison, but well, I would I would probably say Edison's the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment. It's, do you agree? Um, see, I don't watch that much football, not you know, non-English or non-British, sorry, football. So, um, I mean, off the top of my head, I know Manuel Neuer gets a lot Neuer. of praise. Yeah. So there's, there's Manuel Neuer, uh, the, the AC Milan goalkeeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Um, although he's he's dipped a little bit, he's he's still a bit young. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't. Have a problem with anyone that says Edison is the best goalkeeper in the world, um, but I think probably my gut instinct would still be the same. Manuel Neuer. Yeah, I suppose I forgot about Neuer. Actually, I do like Neuer. Carl, who would you say actually? We should probably ask the goalkeeper. Who's your? No, don't say Lee Burge. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Burge, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've liked Manuel Neuer from from him when he first came on the scene. He was the the closest thing to a Peter Schmeichel replica. He sort of um, changed how goalkeepers play as well, hasn't he? Because he he was like the first sweeper keeper, if that made sense, to my memory anyway. Yeah, he's um, he reads the game so well and um, he's just, he's really, really good at it. But he makes he makes big saves in important games as well. He's a, he's a big game type of goalkeeper. I like his kind of arrogance that he has as well. I think you sort of need that as a striker or a goalkeeper. You need that sort of arrogance, don't you? My, on topic, my moment of the week was, uh, well, 
I like that stupid penalty that got missed. Did everyone see that yeah. stupid penalty where he was like, he did a 20-yard run-up, he did a Bruno Fernandes skip, and he did a shimmy and then side-footed it down the middle, and the keeper just picked it up. Like, <laughs> I, t- I don't know who took so, it. So, so happy, so pleased that did not go in. It was so bad. It was like, it just got to the point where I was like, as soon as I seen him doing the long run-up, I was like, he's going to do a long run-up and miss it. But he did like 40 different things, and you were like, he didn't even launch it. He like Mickey Gray it into the keepers. Like, he basically was Mickey Gray versus Sasha Sasha Illich, Illich with a 20-yard run-up, a hop, skip, and a jump, a shimmy, and then just straight into the keeper. It was horrendous. And like it was that half semicircle he started with as well. Oh yes, so he did. And I'm like, what is going on here? Stupid. You stupid well, idiot. Don't do it Jeff anymore. Whitley's one, Graham. Jeff Whitley against Palace in yeah, the United uh, semi-final playoffs. Yeah. That it was, was... The Mick McCarthy's face. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good plug. If you want to hear Mick McCarthy's version of it, Mick McCarthy's on this series of What Talk <laughs> podcast, which is available a couple of months ago. Um, and also Alison, just while I'm on the subject of goalkeepers, like Alison's kind of moment of the week, because as I was saying before, I think he's there or thereabouts, one of the best goalkeepers. And like... <laughs> It's not released as yet, but I had Max Strijek on the show. Um, and I asked him which goalkeepers he looks at and he looks to emulate. And he went, oh, you know, like, Alisson. He went, oh, well, not this week. And that was last week. And he went and did the same thing again. And I was just a bit like, it's so unexpected. It becomes like a moment. Like, everyone's talking about all these injuries Liverpool have and all this kind of stuff. But Alisson literally just fucking up to the point where he's, like, done a Remy Matthews, basically. Or league camp, if you prefer, um, is like a moment in itself. The mistake he made yesterday, like, what is he doing, man? Like, um, well, obviously, you'll recover. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but it's definitely a moment. Uh, Carl, what, what was your moment of the week? Um, we'd already touched on it as well, and it was Roy Keane being on Instagram, which yes. was top, uh, absolutely brilliant. Not just him on Instagram, but he also has a German Shepherd, which is the manliest dog he could have chose for me. So it's just some, it's just a right game type of dog. I like how he's put man's best friend, though, as opposed to my best friend, because he doesn't have any. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he, he dare not admit that he's got a few pals. He's like, a man's best friend, which I am. Um, so finally, I guess, uh, actually, before I move on, Cole, who's your, um, your favourite Bulgarian, mate? Um, it was, I had two, and it was Petrov. Who, um, who Jack had, had mentioned, but then, of course, Dimitar Berbatov. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful man. The, the kind of man that was so lazy, it annoyed you, but then he just lobbed the goalkeeper from like 40 yards out. It was a joke. At Arguably joke one of the goal. best first touches the Premier League's ever seen. The closest we've had to Dennis Bergkamp in the, the current era. Sorry, my, my missus has just walked in with a bottle of dark matter, which makes me very happy. <laughs> so I'm buzzing. Um, that's why I looked really shocked. She didn't come in stark as an outlet there. Um, I've lost my train of thought here. So that's it. My, my favourite Bulgarian. And he's probably the best Bulgarian. I was going to say Martin Petrov because Martin Petrov was one of those. He was a good player for Man City before Man City were a good team. Does everyone remember Martin Petrov, left wing, went to Bolton? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the one that played for Barcelona, God, the name's gone out of my head. Stoikov. Stoikov, yes. Stoikov. 
Like, because my first World Cup that I remember was like USA in 94. And they were really good in that. Like, they were really, really good in that. So, Haristo Stoichkov, and you had the likes of, uh, oh, the bald guy Lechkov was really good as well. Uh, you had uh, Trifon Ivanov, who looked like a werewolf. Um, Google that guy because he legitimately looks like a werewolf. He's got a crack and mullet. And it was like USA in 94, which was for me, even though England weren't involved in it, my first real World Cup. So, last but not least, Ian, um, what's your goal of the week, mate? Um, I've gone for, uh, I've actually gone for James, um, the Madison's free kick there yesterday against Liverpool. Um, Took ages to be given, though. Yeah, uh but uh, a a, you know lovely skill, you know cracking goal, um, and actually it's I just really like seeing the Liverpool get knocked off the perch. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, what was your goal of the week? Uh, Well, seeing as there was uh, no games in Scotland yesterday, there was no goals or anything like that. I went for uh, Connor Ogilvy, Gillingham. Screamer. Oh, two absolute belters yesterday. Uh, I seen the first one was a cracker. I think I'm going to try every week and have a dip and volley because the last four weeks I've managed to find that like a dip and volley. But in edge of the box on his chest, first touch, bang, right in the onion bag. Absolute <laughs> belter finish. Proper screamer. Carl, what was your goal of the week? Mine was um, Ryan Jack's volley for Rangers. I thought that was an absolute worldie. Really good finish. Did you see Gerard's interview afterwards? Or like, oh, is that um, is that is that goal of the season? Then he's like, mm, yeah, but but he basically told them no. <laughs> it was Kimar Roof, and it was just like the lad just scored an absolute screamer, and you've just shot him down in flames. But that's standard Scott. That's standard Scott. You see, um, what was your goal of the week, Jack? I was um, Lawton for Burnley. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the oh, play Palace away. I think Burn- Burnley get a bit of stick for playing like Tony Pulis ball style. Do you know what I mean? Like long ball. And I think if you I showed like them Burnley. that goal, if you showed them that goal, anyone would be happy to score. Just to describe it, he picks it up on the halfway line, dances around the couple, plays it in fields. I think it's Rodriguez. I think I might be wrong with that one. Rodriguez flicks it up, and he bloatens, carried on his run, waits for it coming down, and then just hangs a volley in the top corner. Um, really good goal. It was an absolute screamer. Yeah, that was that was close for me. But mine was uh, mine was Caroline Weir from Manchester City um, against oh. Man United. But the thing that annoyed me the most about it it's an it's a cracking goal. The technique's like unreal and stuff like that. The first comment under BT Sports posting that the goal was a bloke going, "Well, if that goalkeeper wasn't five foot six, she would have saved it." No, she wouldn't. <laughs> like. Just, just to confirm, Carl, as a goalkeeper, would if would um, the goalkeeper, if she was two inches or three inches taller, have saved that, or do you think it would have went in? No, I think it's doing the strike a bit of injustice. If I'm being honest, I think it's a it's a great finish. Sometimes as a goalkeeper, you just hold your hands up and go, yeah, that was that was a good goal. Bruno Fernandez did the same thing literally last week from a little bit further. Well, actually, about the same sort of distance, but opposite end of the pitch, and everyone's comparing him to Cantona. Um, if anyone doesn't watch the WSL, um, obviously I, I watch it a fair amount. That goal was like an absolute screamer. Um, and from a, a Scottish lady as well. So you've got to kind of give her that um, absolute screamer. But Tom, what was your what was your goal of the week? It was Conor Ogilvy. So I 
I'll change it just so that we've all got different ones. And I'll go for Colin Cousin Richards of, of Derby. Strike. Um, o- Ogilvy's was better. And Cousin Richards didn't look like it was exactly in the corner, but he struck it. I, I love it when, when players strike the ball as well as that. Like um, Defoe used to be able to do it in fairness. Unfortunately, Shearer used to be able to do it. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank probably did it better than anyone else. They, they'd just strike it so well. And you'd say, oh, once they hit it, it stays hit. And that's what Cousin Richards did for Derby. But Ogilvy's was better. And actually, so was Ryan Jacks. Won the game as well, didn't it, Colin Cousin Richards? That was the second for Derby who beat Borough yesterday. That that put them two up. That's right, yes. And then Borough got one back, yes. So that's right. But it was an absolute screamer, it was. Colin Cousin Richards, though, I believe he's only about 31. I'm sure he's been playing for 50, 60 years. Well, he was famously the Coca Cola kid. He was the one, um, yeah, who um, Brighton won money. That's right. Yeah. I think he's a bit older than 31, though, Graham. I think he's not a bit older than that. No, I'm sure he's only I, like I would have said he was more like 33, but, um, well, it won't be hard to find it. But he, yeah, he was a Coca-Cola kid. So Brighton, Brighton bought him with money given to them by Coca-Cola. I remember And that. I think Brighton made a, made a fair profit on him as well. So He's 34. My fact checking is horrific. Yeah. Um, but yes, I forgot. I forgot that about him because it was like, was it the Coca Cola Cup or something, or was it a fan? Championship had, wasn't like... it? Graham it was the champ when the championship was championship, sponsored yeah. by Coca Cola. Yeah, Port, Port, uh, did a win a pair for your team thing. Yeah, I remember that. Those were the days, weren't they? Something could do with that now. To be fair, um, Scott, I come to you. Um, what What was your Scottish moment of the week? <laughs> it's... Uh... It's it slim pickings this week. I've got to be honest, Scottish football's cleaned itself up. It wasn't much. I think we, we kind of talked about it, and I think the only highlight was uh, Andy Halliday uh, being offered a good goal. Um, who was it? I think it was Willie Anderson, I think he's called. He, There's no need for that. But, you know, these are the kind of things that I think we're missing these kind of things in Scotland now because of the lower leagues, obviously the championship and below is suspended at the moment. And usually you get things like, Last year, the year before, there was uh, Graham Smith who was playing for Breakin at the time. Uh, they were playing Stenhouse Muir and he turned up at Stenhouse Muir Park when they were at home. Stuff like that, you know, these kind of things is like happen uh, regularly in the, the sort of lower leagues. But I think everything's, you know, because these leagues aren't going on just now, we're maybe not getting as much up here. Yeah, I've got a surprise roundtable just to finish the show. I said finally, but I have a surprise roundtable to get you all. So not enough of fact none of are prepared. Now, I think all of us, maybe Sand, Jack, are in our 30s. Would I be right in saying that? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I know Tom looks like he's 21, but Sky Sports does do good makeup. Um, but obviously, I'm 34. Ian's 59. Uh, Ian's 47, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I can imagine we all watch Gazetta Italia Sport back in mid-90s. Um, and I was chatting about this this morning, literally as I woke up, which is, it tells you how the mood I was in this morning, um, to Ashley about how everyone had a team, everyone had a favourite player, everyone had a, a side that would, they would sit and watch on Gazetta Italia and take a vested interest in it, and that's why they should bring it back. Um, so I thought I'd do a little wee round table just to finish off. But Ian, who was your Italian team and who was your, your player you used to like watching on Gazetta Italia? Oh, God, God, you've put me right on the spot there. I think, actually, um, 
there was the odd the English the sort of player and and in your mind you would always kind of gravitate there towards them. Um Platy, Incy, Gascoigne. Um well well the one that really sticks in my mind and just because he was so so sort of classy and he really fitted into um the Syria art uh, and that's David Platt. Yeah. When uh the Sampdoria. Sampdoria he was with. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sampdoria. Yeah. Yeah, he was just, uh, you know, perfect for that, uh, you know, side. Yeah, yeah, that really sticks in my mind as watching him. Great play, play. First of the, the crew lot to kind of come through as well, wasn't he? Crew yeah. Alex. Um, Scott, who was your Italian team and your, your player? Probably a bit sort of cliche with the colours and stuff like that, but it's, it's genuinely nothing to do with that. But uh, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Roma. And I just loved Totty when I was younger. And I looked at we all. Actually, someone who worked with my mum, his dad was like security for Roma for some. I don't know how this worked. He's a Scottish guy who was like the head of security for Roma. And I remember I was about. I must have been about 10 or 11 and my mum came home for work one day with this, this kit bag just full of Roma gear and the guy had just been like, here, you know, my dad sent this over, we're not going to use it and it was literally like, it was great because that was back in the day when, you know how nowadays you can pay like 200 quid or whatever it is and get the proper player wear kits and stuff like that. Yeah. Didn't really get that in those days so I remember strolling about Hamilton with a Roma player wear Diodora kit with Totty on the back of it uh, and also thought it was quite funny because I had my own Roma shirt and I got Scotty on the back of it. But Panther. Bearing in mind I was 10 at the time. So, uh, so I, I, used to, I used to love when people used to get those shirts when you were kidding. It was like, I ate Newcastle, <laughs> which indicated that you'd ate the entire region um, as opposed to just disliking them. Uh, mine was Inter Milan and Dennis Bergkamp. Um, and I was lucky enough in 1995 go to the San Siro, my only time I've been, and me, I had, I lived in South Shields and the neighbour across the road was actually in Inter Milan's academy, but he had family from the northeast of England. He used to visit in the summer and he used to love playing football with him. Matea, he was called, he never, I don't think he ever got into any team, but he was at their academy, so we got free tickets to go see Inter Milan versus Sampdoria. And it was um, Bergkamp, Gianluca Festa, Davido Fontelan on Inter's team. And you had Sampdoria had, I think it was Hollett. I'm sure Rijkaard was there, but I'd have to double check that. And uh, Lombardo, who actually is spitting dabs for you, Scott, funnily enough. Um, it's not going to not gonna land, is it, for the people not watching it? He's bald. Um, Jack, did you have an Italian team? Yeah, I was a bit young for the Gazetta era of the 90s. I know it was really, really big. Syria in the 90s, a bit before my time. But my Italian team was actually the AC Milan team of kind of mid early 2000s so it was the team that lost to Liverpool in the 2005 finals so that was my mm-hmm. it had like the likes of Shevchenko Kaka Perlo Maldini Dida that was that was my favourite Italian team of that kind of two or three years it was like watching them would you would, would you all watch Gazetta Italia if it came back Send. I would 100% watch I just want to see James Richardson with papers again that are pink <laughs> And then to translate them for me, that's all I want. Um, Carl, you nodded vigorously when I said about Gazetta Italia, so I know for a fact that you had an Italian team. My Italian team was Parma. 
Um, oh, good choice. Boss, you like Tam? Grandmother. He used to say to me, there's this Italian under-21 goalkeeper who's going to be huge. You've got to watch him. You've got to watch him. And it was Buffon. And he said, he's in. He's got just just watch it with me. Um, and so I used to tune in to watch him. That was it. And the rest is history. So, Tom, you've got the the final word on the pod this week. Um, what was your team? So we went to Tom there and right at that moment his microphone's gone. Um, so in the perfect ending to the perfect pod, I want to thank everyone for coming on. Ian, um, have you enjoyed yourself this week? Yeah, it's been great. And uh, it's actually nice to get up early and, and they do this. So <laughs> I've got to be honest, I prefer when I've had a few drinks in me, but there you go. Um, <laughs> Scott, enjoyed yourself this week? Oh, there's someone coming out your door. No, football is shit. I have not enjoyed myself. I will not enjoy myself. I'm all over one again. And Carl, how's it? How's it been? Being back? Yeah, it's been good crack. Thanks very much for having us back. Just a good job, Lee Bridge. Had a good game this weekend. Huh? Um, <laughs> Jack, <laughs> how have you enjoyed joining us again? Yeah, it was good. Really enjoyed it. Someone won yesterday, and that's uh, always nice, isn't it, to come on after a win? And Tom, how have you enjoyed it? <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. Appreciate it. <laughs>